Hey, I'm Matt. And I'm Allie, and you're listening to Brew Roots. We take a behind-the-scenes look at the roots of your favorite local breweries and the stories behind them. I'm homebrewing like a madman, building homebrew equipment for people on the side. It was fun, and I decided, well, I should try this professionally. Now on to the episode. Cheers. Hey everyone, Matt here. Uh, thank you for tuning in once again. This is the uh, second official episode of Brewroots, so we're really excited to just be getting this off the ground. And uh, we really appreciate everyone that listened last week, reached out to Allie and myself, and, and just gave us some amazingly humbling and kind words that we heard. And uh, we're really excited to kind of take this thing and uh, and run as far as we can with it. Um, Allie couldn't make it this week. She's got some stuff with school going on, and she'll be back next week. But our guest this week uh, is Merrimack Ales from Lowell, Massachusetts. And a little backstory of Merrimack Ales. It's a two-man operation out of uh, Lowell, Massachusetts. And uh, I really enjoy this interview because it, it, it we got to interview Pat and Adam separately. And... Those two guys are on the same team, like they they're on the same brain length. It feels like you know, I we ask them very similar questions and their answers are very similar. So uh, I'm really excited to see what's next because they're a relatively new brewery and you know a two man operation with a, a ten barrel system only has room for growth and they're already making amazing beer. So. We're really looking forward to seeing, you know, what comes next with them. All right. Before we get into the interview, I do want to just mention our friends at Pry.me. They are the makers of the Penny Size Grade 5 Titanium Small Bottle Opener, uh, which we're going to be getting a couple in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to do a review on it and uh, hopefully do some giveaways. I'm pretty excited because I'm not one of those people that likes to have a lot of crap on their keychain. And uh, this seems small enough that I would even enjoy it. So I'm really excited about that. And it it's pretty cool. Um if you want to find out some information on your before, go to primebottleopener.com. That's primebottleopener.com. And now on to the interview. Cheers. All right. Uh, welcome to the second episode of Roots. We are here in lovely Lowell, Massachusetts. I'd say like second home to both of us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and we are here at uh, Merrimack Ales. Pat from Merrimack Ales, how are you? I am well. How art thou? Oh, you know, we're... <laughs> pretty good for a Thursday. <laughs> I know. We're drinking some pretty good beer. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you uh, have a sample? Oh, that was the Alt Hypothesis. Uh, it's a German-style alt beer. That and was our flagship. Flagship beer. Cool. So, uh, you know, we're just going to go right into it. Uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, I'm the head brewer here. Uh, though at a brewery this small, that means I also uh, do deliveries and sales, and I'm a janitor, and, um, I, you know, change light bulbs, just Drywalling. Uh, everybody does everything when you're basically two man operation full time. How did you guys get started? I got started at Merrimack Ales uh, when the brewery I used to work at shut down. Uh, it was right around when Merrimack was opening up, and I literally, it was sometime in March of 2015. I just sort of walked in and was like, hey, what are you doing? And he was um, building this glycol line we got sitting behind us here. <laughs> and he, you know, told me, like, I'm trying to put all this together. And I was like, I know how to do that. Do you want me to do it? Hey, uh, it was about two weeks of doing stuff like that. Just kept, you know, texting him in the morning and being like, hey, what are you doing today? I'll come help. And then uh, after two weeks or so, it was 
basically like, so I legally have to pay you if you're going to keep showing up. I was like, no, yeah, that's, that's the point. I'd like to be paid to keep showing up. So <laughs> just sort of, no, it wasn't really a job interview or an application process or anything. It was just volunteering until, uh, until I was an employee, I guess. And then, um, yeah, from there it was just still building out the whole brewery, like drywalling and painting and building this little wall back here and all that good stuff. Yeah. Until, uh, until we opened up in September of 2015. Name some of the beers that you guys have like made and everything. Uh, so our three original beers were the All Hypothesis that I already mentioned, uh, Vigor, which is a chocolate oatmeal stout, and uh, First Article, which is a rye IPA. All three of those recipes are ones Adam had been working on for like the better part of 10 years of home brewing, from what I understand. Um, and then uh, other early ones... Uh, Honey White was uh, originally a spring beer. It's a wit beer we do with orange blossom honey, orange peel, and chamomile. That was my first recipe for the brewery. Um, uh, originally was a spring beer and then ended up being too popular, so we had to take it year-round now. Uh, replaced it this year with the Saison. That one's been doing really good. And then um, just, I mean, we, we brew a ton of beers all, all over the place. We uh, The Coffee Stout's a newer one. We have the um, Blueberry Lemon Gosa coming out a month or so. Um, our show IPA, we got the obligatory pale, we got the shock value Belgian double IPA, we got, we got normal stuff, we got weird stuff, we, all over the place. So you talked about the honey white being your first recipe, did you do brewing before you came here? Uh, yeah, um, Ducan was the brewery I worked at before this, and I, uh, a similar situation, uh, having just graduated from UMass Lowell, I was in the middle of, you know, shooting out job applications to various radio stations and whatever, and um, I think it was my girlfriend who texted me and said, oh, hey, did you know there's a brewery in Lowell? Like, we should go down sometime. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, uh, sent an email to Ducan, you know, hey, what's the uh, what's the deal? Like, can I come in and get growlers? Where can I buy the beer? I'd like a tour. And then because I literally just had my resume open in another page, I attached it to the email and said, P.S., do you need somebody to clean kegs? Uh, got an email back that said, no, but I need a brewer. Like, call this number. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, went in for an interview that Monday, and the interview was basically like, what do you know about brewing? I was like, I make extract batches on my stove. Like, okay, <laughs> cool. So you don't know anything. That's perfect. You haven't learned anything dumb yet. And, um, like, that day did a delivery for the brewery and just kind of started working. Um, originally as assistant brewer, but then the head brewer stopped showing up uh, mysteriously. So then I was brewer um, from then until the brewery closed pretty much. You learned a lot, obviously, from oh, going yeah. I, into I mean, there. I, I learned everything I know about commercial, real brewing and recipe development there, uh, partially from Pat, the owner, um, and a little bit from a couple guys I worked with while I was there. Uh, Skyler Ward, he, uh, I don't know exactly where he's working now. He was working for uh, Thomas Hooker for a bit. He was working for Down the Road for a bit doing recipe development. But he came in and taught me a ton about recipe development. He's all over the place uh, with, you know, he'll, he'd come in some days and be like, guys, I got this idea. Like, we're going to take a beer. We're going to make it with smoked malt. We're going to age it on cucumbers and, <laughs> and, and tomatoes, and it's going to be a BLT. It's going to taste just like a BLT. Like, that's, that's like, really cool, but do you think anybody's going to want more than one bottle of it? And he's like, you know what? You're right. We're going to do a coffee stout instead. <laughs> he was just crazy with, uh, with recipe development, just really good at it. And then uh, he worked there for a couple months, and after that, a guy named Simon O'Keefe came in and worked with us. Uh, he is now the head of Evil Check Brewing in Indiana. I believe they're, it's a 20-barrel brew pub, and I think they might actually have two locations. But uh, he came in and taught me a lot more about, like, just refining techniques, like process stuff, um, 
you know, don't let the beer sit on the yeast for longer than this. Like a, a lot more about professional level brewing that I had uh, known up until that point. So you just got into this business just basically by dumb luck almost. I just fell right into it. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. So our listeners out there, I don't think that's you're no, an outlier. I, I, I think I think these days I'm an outlier. I hear a lot of guys who've been in the, the you know been working in the industry for 30 years with similar stories, but a lot more people my age, it's more like, oh, I started working at this place cleaning kegs, and yeah. then like it's like a real slow crawl up a ladder. I got real lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that we have experienced a few of those stories in the past, and a lot of the people have like backgrounds in engineering. Like if you go to school, oh yeah, our, our last. Um, our last interview, he was talking about how you had to have, like, a background in, like, chemistry and another science or something, yep, engineering or something. Yeah. So Yeah. 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 No, they're, they're cra- the brewing schools are crazy. I mean, and it's funny because, like, you know, obviously legally I couldn't drink till I was 21. So I – going into college, I never would have thought, like, I should go to brewing school. Like, right. I love craft <laughs> beer. It was more like, ew, Coors Light is, like, almost not terrible, sure, yeah. at that time. <laughs> like, so, I don't know. It's fine. I, I don't – I'd like to meet the kids who at, like, 18 are like, yep, craft brewing, that's a life for me. <laughs> what is your first, like, memory of cracking open a beer or having a beer for the first time? So this is a, this is a funny one. I, I, I don't know what my first cracking open a beer recipe is, but or recipe, memory is. Uh, but So I was four years old at Chuck E. Cheese at a, <laughs> uh, at a birthday party, you know, running in circles for four hours. So I run back to, you know, where my parents are because at this point I'm probably severely dehydrated. And I grab the first cup I see and I drain it. And then I put it down and scream because it was beer and to me tasted like, you know, bitter medicine probably at that point. So that would be, I believe, my first interaction with beer. And it was a poor one. Uh, Gotten a bit more fond of it since then. Tell us a little bit of background. You went to UMass Lowell. You have a yep. degree in uh, music business with a focus on the bass guitar. Or do you use like uh, some I of the mean, skills you learned in some college? Of the yeah. Business stuff definitely comes through with uh, like doing sales. Uh, we do. I mean, like I said before, we kind of both wear like thirty different hats at the brewing. So we're both doing a little bit of sales. We're both doing some of the marketing. We're both like um, like for the the newest beer that we came out with, the saison. I, I wrote up the uh, the little text blurb on the side there so i i'm sure some class helped me with that like my entrepreneurship (laughs) class or something like that yeah it's still business right yeah (laughs) and i mean if i want to get real esoteric with it you could talk about how like beer is still you know you're harmonizing your malts and your hops and your yeasts like there's some kind of if you break them both down to an incredibly basic idea it's all about harmony and balance and symmetry and stuff all that jazz. Um, I saw you guys at Winterfest. So do you do a lot of, like, festivals around Lowell? I know we do a bunch of fe- festivals in Lowell, so. Oh, yeah, we do a ton of festivals. Um, the most recent one we did was uh, Power Beer Fest in uh, South Washington, like, South End Boston. Uh, that was a, a Brewers Guild event. So there was a 50, 50 or 60 breweries there, I think. Uh, that, that was a huge one. It was two sessions, 1,000 people at the first one and 500 at the second, which was nice because when – there were only 500 pe- only 500 people. It felt like, you know, a, a break after the first one where it was constantly just, here's a beer, here's a beer, here's a beer, here's a beer. This one's an IPA. Here's a beer, here's a beer, here's a beer. Um, let's see. we got a couple more coming up at the end of the month. I believe we're doing the Nashua River Fest in Fitchburg on it's June, sorry, uh, June 24th. Very cool. Yep. But, I mean, other than that, we've usually got at least 
one big festival every few months, obviously more in the summer because you can have more outdoor stuff. And then a lot of in-store tastings, a lot of little festivals, junk peppered in there. Yeah. Are you guys going to be doing Folk Fest at all? Um, I'm not sure. We, we didn't have a chance to get involved with it last year, but uh, that reminds me I need to shoot a call around to those guys and see if we can get a uh, part of the beer tent. Like like we were the beer tent for Winterfest. We were, yeah. we were slanging beers left and right. I'd mm-hmm. like to be able to do something like that again because um, it was fun and I got a lot of money and tips. And that's- what makes this community like special to you and then now you're being immersed in it even more? Oh, geez. I, I, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I, you know, came here first for, uh, for school initially, uh, stuck around after because I got a job and it, it, it's getting to, to be like one of those love-hate relationships, you know, like, like how everybody in Boston is like, ah, oh, uh, greatest city in the world, and then the rest of the time they're complaining about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I feel about Lowell. It's like, oh, man, I'm so sick of living here, but, like, I don't want to live anywhere else. But, like, oh, I, I really do, but, like, where would I go? You guys are part of the community at this oh, yeah, point. Definitely. Yeah, And is that important for you guys here to – I mean, def- uh, it's, it's something for every brewery. Everybody's trying to be – you know, everyone wants to shop local. Everyone wants to support local business. We're, uh, like, the coffee stout we make, we get our coffee from uh, Peak Roasters, like Rosie's Cafe downtown. We're trying to keep that ingredients for that local. Um, you know, lo- local bars and uh, bars and restaurants and liquor stores are a lot of our first customers. Like, uh, Uncharted, I think, was our first draft account. I mean, they are, they are one of our most frequent, um, like, they move a lot of our beer, you know? I see you guys on tap there all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At one point, there was one time where we had uh, three taps going at once, and it was kind of cool. Like, oh, it's an accidental tap takeover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is your fondest memory of Merrimack Ales thus far? I mean, in recent recent times, I think it's the canning run this Monday. It was just really cool to have a um, – we did the Honey White and the Saison were both my recipes, and it was cool to just, like, just a novelty of being like, huh. The, the beer in this can is one that, like, I, I made, you know, I designed it, and then I put it together, and now here we go. It's in a can, like. Like humbling. Yeah. 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 It's, like, hilariously professional looking at it and then thinking, like, <laughs> yeah, when I started, I didn't know how any of this stuff worked. Like, ew, I, didn't, I didn't see it going here. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what are you most proud of, then? The Honey White, honestly. That one really took off. If I, if I had to pick a beer that, that I'm most proud of, um, that one started off as just a, a spring beer. Um when we first opened, we only got, like, a small batch of it out because we opened in September 2015. So we were like, okay, it's spring and summer. Like, end of summer, we'll drop it. And then people wouldn't stop trying to order it until we brought it back in March. And then we, you know, again, we're like, okay, we'll extend it through summer. Like, we're selling really well. And then this following September, um, so this past September 2016, um, we're kind of, like, calling around to different people and being like, hey, we're going to be out soon. And enough people were like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, we, we need this much, like, keep some around. Like, we have a festival in November that we absolutely have to have it for. That we were like, okay, like, we'll take it year-round. And that, that kind of felt cool. Like, that's how a Harpoon IPA became their flagship. Like, it was a, a summer seasonal at first. And then they were like, wait a minute, we do 50% of our sales in the summer. Yeah, we have something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, let's let's make this the one we make most. And now they're Harpoon, you know? Yeah. That must be really cool to, like, design something and, like, have it be your baby and then to yeah. see it selling so well. That's yeah, pretty cool. It, it's cool to know people like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of, do you ever draw a parallel? I mean, you're a musician. Do you ever draw a parallel between, like, writing a song and then, like, bring a beer? Like, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, if Honey White's the single, like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't, it seems like when, you know, when bands get big off of one song, they get super sick of playing it right. eventually. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm ever going to get sick of brewing that one, though. 
Rudes smell really good. It's lots of orange peel and chamomile and honey and bright aromas, but Belgian yeast on that one smells like death while it's fermenting. It's, <laughs> it, it stinks up the whole brewery sometimes, like especially in the summer. Yeah. Where do you see maybe yourself or the brewery next five years? Uh, worldwide. <laughs> worldwide. I mean, I'm not going to be worldwide, hopefully, but, you know, the... I mean, realistically, like, hopefully in five years, maybe maybe moving into Rhode Island, uh, New Hampshire, like, hopefully greater New England area mm-hmm. in general for distro. Um, hopefully pull on a couple of awards at, like, Great American Beer Fest and stuff like that. We actually, I should mention this on the podcast, won an award for the Alt Beer. Um, it was, like, the Best of Craft Beer Awards. That's the name of it in uh, Bend, Oregon. And we got a bronze medal on our Alt, which, which nice. felt really cool. Yeah. Especially because no one got a gold medal. Someone got a silver. So it's like kind of like we got the silver medal. We got second place. Hey, you guys are yeah. like runner up. Right. You talk about your like working relation with Adam just before we go. Like, how do you guys work together? Um, I mean, you know, we come in in the morning, drink a cup of coffee. Uh, a lot of days, it's it, mornings kind of, if we don't already have a plan for the day, it's being like, okay, what are you working on today? You know, uh, today... Uh, Adam's been chasing the chiller problems we've been having all day. Uh, I had a bunch of deliveries to do. Um, I was palletizing cans. It's it. I mean, like, like I've said like three, four times, we, we just both wear a lot of hats. Like on any given day, you know, I might be doing deliveries while he does office work. He might be doing deliveries while I clean and fill kegs. Just uh, it's got to get done, I guess. Where can we find you on interwebs and Oh well, that would be uh, you know we're on we're on Facebook under Merrimack Ales. We're at Merrimack underscore Ales on Instagram. We're Merrimack Ales on Twitter. MerrimackAles.com. Go to Drumhill Liquors. Go to uh, go to your local liquor store and ask them for it. And if they don't have it, start yelling until they order some cans. <laughs> yeah, will absolutely. do. Absolutely. <laughs> Very cool. Nice. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. We really oh, appreciate no problem. it. All right. So uh, welcome back. We are now here with Adam. From Merrimack Ales, we were just talking with Pat. Uh, you got yourself a pretty good partner there, I'd say. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Adam, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, give us a little background information, and then uh, we'll take it from there. All right. Um, I'm Adam Pearson. I'm the uh, owner, founder, keg washer guy <laughs> here at Merrimack Ales. And uh, uh, let's see, we've lived up here for almost nine years. Um, Originally, was working with a, a homebrew buddy of mine on a business plan down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then uh, we moved here. He moved away. And uh, took another couple of years to not have the dream go away, I guess. And uh, then we opened this up. So uh, before that, what did I used to do? Uh, once upon a time ago, I was an engineer. Okay. Uh, worked on all kinds of cool stuff with robots and fire and plasma and jet <laughs> engines. And... Uh, then I did semiconductor work for a while, and then I got over into business and quality consulting uh, for aerospace. Then I hopped over into financial services, then medical devices, and uh, along the way kind of went from having a corporate job to working for a consulting group to being an independent consultant to doing this. Yes. Awesome. So you've worn a lot of hats throughout the years, and uh, some of the technical aspects we can see, you know, incorporated into your bottle fillers here. <laughs> and uh, other aspects of the, this two-man operation. Yeah. It, uh, in fact, when I met Pat, uh, the wall behind you, which other folks can't see, but that's where <laughs> our plumbing comes in, and nobody could figure out where the plumbing went out of the building. 
So when we had to put it in, we guessed and we figured it out, dug a big old hole in the floor so they could hook everything together. And Pat came in and looked at the big hole in the, in the wall and everything. And I said, you want to see what it's like? Get, you know, come in and start helping out? He said, yeah, sure. So his very first project with me was building the refrigeration loop for our glycol chillers. And uh, I had gotten all the materials. And uh, I asked him, I said, you ever glue PVC together? No. <laughs> I said, okay, well, we're going to do one together. So I showed him how. Get the purple stuff wrapped yeah. around. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, and I said, this is how you do it. Put the respirator on because it reeks to high heaven and you'll get crazy if you don't. So he put on the goggles, put on the respirator, and he sat there and glued a bunch of PVC together, and then we fit it all together, and shazam, it works. Um, and it's kind of been that way all along. You know, yeah. it's like, all right, whether everything is, do I know how to do this? Yes. Can I do this? Do I have the tools and the knowledge? Yes or no. And then are they going to make me have a master, somebody or other licensed professional sign this off? It's Massachusetts. So usually. Politics, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cool. Did you come right into this from home brewing or did you have experience in commercial brewing before? Ah, that's no fun. you got to jump all the way in. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this was, uh, in fact, our, our little pilot system is my homebrew rig. So we went from 10 gallons to 10 barrels. Cool. Wow, that's awesome. Because Pat was talking about how he was kind of, like, trained before he came here. So so you just learned all of this yourself. You just got the big stuff, and you're like, all right, here we go. Well, yeah, it's it's a it's a wet chemical process. So yeah. I, used to, I used to work for Delta Airlines down in Atlanta, the big building that says Fly Delta Jets. Oh, wow. And uh, the plating shop was one of my areas that I helped out in a little bit. So you got a room full of tanks that size or bigger and doing all the process checks and everything on it. It's like, okay, so instead of chrome plating solutions, it's beer. Right. Cool. What beer are you most proud of with within uh, those? Uh, which of my babies is pretty? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you ask your question a good way. Um, to sit down and drink it, the rye IPA is my favorite, but the one I'm most proud of is the alt beer. Okay. Mostly because, especially here in Massachusetts, with the crushing wave of must be the hoppiest mm-hmm. IPA ever, or nobody wants it, right. we rolled out a German alt beer as our flagship. And everybody's like, what the hell's an alt beer? So I'm, I'm happy that it, it's got traction. We've got you know draft accounts. They just keep reordering it, and people are starting to discover a nice drinkable beer. So, yeah, yeah, I thought it was delicious. We actually got to try some earlier, yeah. and it was really great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Lo- Thank you. I loved it. Uh, so you moved up to this area. Mm-hmm. Um, why Lowell? Awesome question. Um, so when we – my wife grew up here in the area. I grew up over in the Finger Lakes part of New York, but was down south when we met. And uh, when we moved up here, I, I was working over in Andover. And uh, we have, I don't know, like 10, 12 years now, we've run a, a Halloween costume giveaway for kids. Uh, it started out in my old neighborhood down in Charlotte, realizing that the kids who were running around with backpacks and hoodies weren't doing it because they were lazy. It was because that's all they had. So we started collecting costumes and started giving them away. And we carried it over and then through some of the connections and then just the right fit Lowell is where we've been ever since and so when I started looking for places to get a commercial lease for the brewery 
Um, if you're not a brew pub, they're going to shove you in an area that's zoned industrial. And not everybody has that. So Lowell does. Yeah. And I was like, okay, these, these are some good spots that are already set up for it. Let me go check them out. And uh, so it's got the old industrial history. It's got the mills. It's got the population density, infrastructure. Um, and it was half the commute. So yeah. that's good. Uh I like to talk about, like, community aspect. Do you like being involved in the community of Lowell? Like, is it something that, as Merrimack Ale, is important to you guys to be immersed in the community? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen sort of the same thing that Lowell is doing in a couple other places, Atlanta, Georgia, Charlotte, North Carolina, where you've got these old uh, Industrial Revolution era cities and towns that are they're trying to figure out what do we do with all these big buildings. So the regentrification that happens is cool, and I'm watching Lowell make lots of good small steps. You, you can see the trepidation. You can see all the, oh, I don't know about this, but they mm-hmm. keep moving, which is good, and it's something you want to be part of. you got the university growing like crazy here, so it's a good spot to be. Um, for me, again, with the Halloween costume thing that we've been doing for a long time, that's a big part of you know, being in touch with the folks who need some help. And then... Um, on a personal side, we have a pile of pets, so hoping for a stronger tie-in with, like, the, the Humane Society and all that. So. Nice. Can you uh, talk about your relationship with Pat? Um, yeah. Uh, it, very low-key. Uh, so when, when I got back from uh, my consulting gig, um, reached out to them, said, you know, if you guys want to stop by, there was Pat and the other guy, Simon, that was working with him at the time. They came over and chatted a bit. Pat's kind of, I guess, low-key anyway. And uh, we had a discussion about the hole in the floor and did he want to help out. Yeah, sure. So he just showed up, put him to work, and he, he did a fine job with the, the PVC, asked questions, which was good, uh, did good work, which is even better. And then I said, you know, are you interested because we're clearly ground floor? He said, yeah. And I said, all right. One of the things that because I did it and taught it for so long around design experimentation I want to know how you come up with a beer Mm. so your homework assignment is I want to do a white ale I want to do a Belgian style wit beer and it needs to have orange honey in it I said okay so I said it's not just the answer it's like back in school you need to show your work I want to see your logic path of how you arrived at it so he came back a couple of days later, and I, I did it in parallel as well. We sat down with both recipes side by side, and they were, they were essentially the same thing. And when I figured out how he came about his recipe, his process for developing one, uh, we were very similar. So I was like, okay, good. I'm going to be able to work with this guy. Yeah. So. It's definitely an important thing to have someone that you can work with. And- well, and you know, it's us. So. Yeah. At any given moment, we're making deliveries, we're doing sales calls, we're brewing, we're designing recipes, we're figuring out labels, we're labeling, we're doing whatever it is. And he's been up for every single thing for, you know, since the beginning. So Yeah. So you guys are now moving over from bombers to cans. <laughs> yes. Talk about that process just a little bit. You don't have to go into too much detail, but uh, it's, it's a big move. It, it is. It's just uh, it's keeping up with consumer preferences. You know, folks tell you what they want either through words or behavior. Uh, we entered the, the marketplace at a time when you could still get away with bombers here in Massachusetts. 
And then the retailers and everybody started saying everybody's shifting to smaller format. It's funny because the, the reason they give is people are afraid to commit to 22 ounces of a beer. And I'm older than you guys, so it's like, all right, so we used to buy multiple cases. So no one was afraid of that. But, okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll roll with it, you know. Yes. So we went to 12-ounce six-packs on four of our brands to see how that would go. And it did okay for a while. And now everybody's saying, yeah, we'll pick you up when you're in cans. Okay, so now we're in cans. <laughs> it's like, what's next? What's well, next? <laughs> and unfortunately, I don't see anything else on the horizon. The road, so yeah, we yeah. can ride cans for a while. That's good. Cool. Uh, what is your favorite Merrimack Ale beer? And then what are you? what's in your refrigerator at home? Um, I know. I'm asking you, like, what's your favorite kid? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think probably because my son, when he was about six weeks old and sitting in his little car seat carrier, was right there with me the first time I brewed first article, our Rye IPA. Um, I just really like that beer. Cool. Uh, so I, I think that's my favorite one to drink. Uh, Alt's pretty much my house beer. Um, in my fridge. Um, some of our beers. Uh, got some from the tap. Uh, some of their galactic acid. They're sour. Uh, got some, got a jalapeno pale from a Charlotte brewery that a friend of mine brought up to me. And, uh, and I have the first bottle of Feed the Beast stuck aside for until this this coming september so very cool yeah. um what's in feed the beast i saw it on the board over there but i didn't see a um description all kinds of happy stuff okay <laughs> it's a mouthful it is an imperial sweet potato porter with satin heaven hill bourbon barrels with vanilla beans for four months it was our our birthday beer this past september oh jeez okay yeah, so awesome. we're, we're going to hold a bunch of it back and roll it back out next this coming September okay. for a year, year or two to see how it aged over. Uh, where do you guys see Merrimack Hills in two years, five years? Um, the goal is hopefully to, to get distribution into some more of New England, certainly New Hampshire, since we're a border town and everybody here, let's face it, we all drive to New Hampshire to buy our beer because we don't want to pay sales tax on it. Um, so that would be advantageous. But I want to get us up you know, three, 4,000 barrels, uh, which will be some major steps. Uh, getting our tap room licensed, we're in the process of doing that. Um, add some more folks, actually have a delivery truck, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, this space, there's definitely room to expand. It can go up. It's high ceilings. Yeah. So. We, the way I've got the system set up, it's designed for 1,000 barrels before I have to, like, bring in any bigger tanks or do anything like that. So but that's... So it's future-proof. Well, yeah. and Well, the, the brew kettles are not scalable until right. you, I mean, they're replaceable, but you can't do anything more with it. These, the fermenters, you can scale. We can brew doubles and triples and stack a tank up. Mm-hmm. Um and the, I went to the Brewers Conference a couple of years ago, and that was what they were saying is, if you look at a space and it's very charming, it's got a really great aesthetic to it, but it has low ceilings, don't do it. Because yeah. when you hit that beer that everybody wants and you need to bring in a 40-barrel tank, you won't be able to fit it. Right. So yeah. if the ceilings are less than 20 foot, pass. Yeah. So we got it. Awesome. <laughs> cool. What are you most proud of? Can be here, can be outside of here. 
Oh, gosh. Um, my kid's still alive. That's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> I've successfully kept him alive with my wife for over six years now. That's pretty good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that one. That's a good, that one. a good one. Cool. Anything else you got you want to share before we sign off? Um, well, besides this being really cool, so thank you guys for coming. Um, Pleasure. Just, yeah, do more of this. I mean, the, that conference I went to was in Washington, D.C., which the first business trip I ever took, there were gray-haired, gray-suited, gray-skinned, gray-attituded people bustling around this airport. I was like, God, what a depressing place. And so many years later, I'm in the same exact spot after this massive beer conference, and everybody's trying to get back to wherever they live. And in the middle of this whole concourse that's under construction, there's this little Sam Adams kiosk. So, of course, it's the beer that's available. Everybody's standing there with a pint of one of the Sam beers, and there isn't a single unhappy person there. Everybody is talking. Everybody is smiling. Everybody looks comfortable. And I, that moment just describes beer culture. You know, it, it's okay. It may not be the end-all, be-all, but it certainly helps bring everybody together in a good way. Yeah. And uh, just happy to be part of that. Yeah. And then for any of our listeners, kind of like the main premise of this is to hopefully if someone's listening to encourage them to kind of take that next step from maybe a hobbyist or a home brewer and take it to a commercial lover. Do you have uh, any suggestions or <laughs> sage words of advice? Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll echo a very well phrased exchange at that conference. Uh, there were like six or 7,000 people at this thing. So every single talk was like 500 to 2,500 people listening. And uh, the guy says, all right, how many of you in the crowd are homebrewers? Every hand went up. How many of you are, you know, have already started your paperwork for your TTB permit? Most of the hands went up. How many of you just absolutely love brewing beer? All the hands go up. How many of you realize that if you're going to start a brewery, it's a business? silence in the room like if what you really really love is brewing beer and working with recipes and doing all that get a job as a brewer because if you're starting the company it, it's a business you're responsible for 360 degrees of it and uh that was that was very sage wisdom um upc codes you know little barcodes yeah yeah Nobody tells you about that. There's a whole organization out there that is like the overs lord of UPC codes. <laughs> to make sure nobody has the same one wow. or something. Yeah. yeah, and retailers won't talk to you if you don't have them. There's no requirement. The government doesn't care. But the retailers won't work with you because they can't scan and stock inventory. Can't inventory. So, yeah, yeah things I never even thought about uh, had to become rather knowledgeable about, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. If anybody does it, they're going to go through the whole thing. All right, Adam, I really appreciate your time. It's busy here at the tap room right now. Uh, can you give us the address of this location so maybe our listeners can come and find it? Absolutely. We are uh, at 92 Bolt Street in Lowell. Uh, when you get in our parking lot, look for the blue metal door and go through the blue door and look to your left. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you, guys. No problem.